you're figuring out what you have. For instance, I talk about shared identity. Figuring out your shared identity with an audience is going to help you target an audience correctly, Mm -hmm. but it'll also endear them to you and they will understand you better and feel that authenticity if they understand you. You know, authenticity is a big word that's thrown around right now, but Mm -hmm. authenticity is a two-way street because I could be the most authentic person, but if I'm marketing myself to the wrong audience, they may not find it authentic because they don't understand that in their perception of the world. So it's, you can be as authentic as possible, but if you're not hitting the right people that would understand that authenticity, that's a big problem and you'll just be spinning your wheels. Leaders Business Lab is for you, the business owner, entrepreneur, the expert in your field who wants to be seen and heard as the influential thought leader in your industry. My name is Samantha Riley and I've been building and growing businesses for over 26 years and I've learned there are three key areas to your success, your mindset, your talents and the people you surround yourself with. Each week, I interview successful entrepreneurs and deep dive to discover the exact strategies that they've used to build their business so that you can experiment and implement these strategies in your business too. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome to the show, Laura. It's great to have you joining me here today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited because today we're going to be talking all about branding, specifically personal branding, influencers, and you are exactly the kind of person that we can learn so much from. You spent 10 years with Sony Music helping people become powerful influencers. Who are some of the artists that you worked with? So Carrie Underwood, Brad Paisley, Brooks and Dunn, Miranda Lambert. I worked hundreds of albums from Johnny Cash to Jake Owen. I mean, there's so many, so many. And somebody asked me the other day, what big name? And I was like, okay, Gwyneth Paltrow. I even worked with her. So it's like, you never knew who we were going to get. Wow. Must have been so exciting. Yeah. It's always fun working with people who are creative like that. Mm, Good point. So today we're, like I said, we're talking about marketing, specifically about influencers. And something that I liked that I read was that, you know, in marketing, people are discussing the power of influencers, but your take is different. You're talking about what it takes to become a powerful influencer. Can you just start with what is the difference between the, you know, the power of influencers and becoming a powerful influencer? What, what do you mean by that? So really people are talking about how, you know, the influencer marketing craze right now on social media. I want to redefine what that is because I've been working influencers for before they were ever called influencers. Uh Really an influencer is anybody who can manipulate their audience to their viewpoints, a perceived with a perceived connection with the audience. So that could happen online or offline. Mm -hmm. You do not have to have your brand on social media if that's not a good fit for your brand. So it's, you know, George Clooney, he doesn't have a social media account yet. He's Mm -hmm. literally out there changing the world. You know, he's obviously a very powerful influencer. Mm. So just redefine 
finding that whole influencer title. Also, you know, people just kind of throw things out there. And, and uh, one of the big reasons I wrote this book was that I would have a lot of clients come to me with finished albums and they'd be, they would swear up and down. They were ready for a marketing push. They would want to get the album out. They would be ready to spend money. And at the end of the day, they weren't ready because they didn't have a brand. So mm. I kept having to educate people about how important it is to get a brand. You can have a great marketing plan, get you a number one hit, but without a great branding plan, you're not going to be able to be a superstar or somebody who's got two number one hits or two number one albums. I mean, that's why we have so many one hit wonders. Mm, such a good point. So what you're saying is that branding, the essence of our personal brand and the story that we're putting out into the world is something that we need to be paying attention to all the time. And you use the word manipulate, but I, I'm assuming you don't mean that in a negative way. That Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah so no, you definitely, but you use psychology, right? Uh -huh. So you're using, you're figuring out what you have. For instance, I talk about shared identity, figuring out your shared identity with an audience is going to help you target an audience correctly, mm -hmm. but it'll also endear them to you and they will understand you better and feel that authenticity if they understand you. You know, authenticity is a big word that's thrown around right now, mm -hmm. but authenticity is a two-way street because I could be the most authentic person, but if I'm marketing myself to the wrong audience, they may not find it authentic because they don't understand that in their perception of the world. So it's, it, you can be as authentic as possible, but if you're not hitting the right people that would understand that authenticity, that's a big problem and you'll just be spinning your wheels. I really, really like that. Someone said to me once that the conversation, I'll give you context for the conversation. We were talking about Facebook lives and, uh, and we were specifically talking about people that, you know, do a Facebook live, maybe lying in bed just as they've woken up with kind of their hair everywhere and no makeup on. And I was saying that to me, that didn't feel right because it wasn't in line with my brand. That the only, the only person in the world that sees me like that is my husband and it is going to stay that way. And that person sort of said, well, I don't think that's authentic. But what I'm hearing behind what you've just said, which I hadn't put together, is it depends on who our audience is. Because my audience Correct. doesn't want to see me turn up like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and, and so there's a whole, I mean, think about anybody Southern will say, don't get out of, don't show your face in public with rollers in your hair. And, uh -huh. you know, you have to be totally done up by 9am. You know, that's a Southern mentality. So that is their perception of the world. World, and therefore that makes sense to them. Yes. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and, and another thing I want to hit on is that this book really, it's about a process. So it goes from a personal brand. Yes. And you dig in and figure out what that personal brand is, but it is more than personal branding in the sense of it turns that personal brand into a product that is, you know, competitive in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be a Martha Stewart, that's what it is. It's, it's, so I call that influencer branding, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of people aren't even, I've never really even heard that term thrown about until now, but it's really, you know, it's not about personal branding in the sense of what people think about you or how you're going to get ahead in the workplace. It's really taking that and figuring out what those core attributes are that are marketable as a product. Mm, I love it. Now, the book that you're talking about is From Individual to Empire, A Guide to Building an Authentic and Powerful Brand. And we will definitely talk about how people can get a copy of that book at the end. You just mentioned share 
shared identity. What do you mean by shared identity? So what values you have, what lifestyle you have, personality, all of these things, a lot, somewhere in that, you know, we're very complex, right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. somewhere in all of that, there is a shared identity that you can find with your audience. Mm -hmm. And It could be just one value. I was working with one person who we discovered that the real crux of that shared identity was hard work. Mm -hmm. So he was a hard worker. He really wanted everything to be hardworking. And and he understood the value of hard work. And so the audience that we went after is has that same mentality. Does that make sense? They share that identity. And so they immediately latch on. They get Mm -hmm. it. It Mm -hmm. makes sense to them. Mm. And so that really starts to build a a brand loyalty. Yeah. How do we know how much depth to give that brand? Because someone like The Rock, he's one of my favorite brands. I think this guy is And I talk about him all the time right now. Oh, do you? Because he's he's so good. Yeah. Yeah, So you look at him and you know he's all about hard, hard work. You can't get a body like his without that. Yet what he's done so cleverly is bringing, you know, that humorous, that playful side of who he is. How do, how do we know what's, what parts to bring in and, and what parts to leave out? Or do we not leave parts out? You definitely have to leave parts out because like oh, I said so earlier, it's <laughs> so complex. It's just too much, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Part of this whole process is really finding that focus. And there is a group of of traits. It is a group. It's not just one trait, right? So hardworking, that's just one trait. Mm -hmm. But there is a group of traits that are unique to each individual, no matter who they are. Mm -hmm. And that group is really the, well, I call them the core pillars of a brand. And Mm -hmm. so those are the things that have to remain consistent over time, over the next 20 years. Everything else about you can change. Everything else about you is manipulated and uh, not manipulated, sorry. But like, you know, if Taylor Swift wants to dye her hair brown, she can. It has nothing to do with those core brand pillars, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really a process of finding out all these attributes and all your values and everything that you really, really believe in and want to say. For And where do you stand on certain things that you, and what do you want to say and get across? What's your purpose? You know, purpose is a big thing in my book. What do you want to say for the next 20 years? Mm -hmm. and then whittle it down from there, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And you figure out what group of traits can be applied to the three major elements of a brand, which is product, image, and narrative. And that is really when you can, and I, I, I take it one step further. I have the readers build out a mission statement, which I call a brand statement, but it's, you know, influencers don't ever do that. Why does every other company selling products in the world have mission statements, but influencers don't? So it just is, it provides the focus where you can remember to stay on track and stay on what your core values are that the consumer will rely to. Mm, okay. Just to help us understand this in the context of someone else, the first person that came to mind when you were talking about that was Madonna. She's someone who has had so many hair colors, so many, you know, oh, yeah. so many looks, so many styles. Yet, obviously, you know, Madonna fans are diehard and she's got a brand that has lasted an extremely long time. What is, what is her, you know, core values, beliefs? What is her narrative behind it that people follow her for? Because I think that will give us context for what you're talking about here. So Madonna is actually one of my favorite to use as an explanation for evolution over the long term. And the reason why is because exactly what you were just saying, she has evolved over time, but her core brand has not changed, right? Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, the overtly sexual nature, the pushing the buttons, you know, being very outspoken, the themes in her songs and the themes in the music that are very cutting edge, right? And push the envelope. Those things haven't changed. And that's what people respond to still. And that's Mm -hmm. why people still go see her live, you know, from getting kicked out of countries to her sex books or whatever. I mean, Uh that has a core audience and that, and they get that. And taking that one step further, you know, if you take somebody like Kanye West, Mm -hmm. you know, I I always say you don't build a brand with any negatives. Kanye West is, you know, a bad publicist would worry about Kanye. Okay. But a good publicist will say, let Kanye be Kanye. It's Mm -hmm. working, right? His tone and the things that he discusses is part of who he is. And that's why it works. So when him and Taylor Swift clash at the VMAs, you know, and there's this epic moment and she goes away crying and he is like scolded by his peers. It worked for both of those brands. They both got, you know, more successful because of that situation. Yeah. And because of their brand. Because they, so what you're saying is because they stuck to their brand, the people would die hard for those people and they will stand up and, and champion them. Yes. So that's what, as brands, obviously that's what we want. And, and, you know, putting it in the context of an entrepreneur, I see that people who are very successful have really, you know, successful brands. If someone slanders them or says something nasty on social media, it's almost like that person doesn't even need to comment because there's just like everyone comes to their aid, just, you know, rallying and championing them. So just very briefly, because I know that, you know, I'm asking you how long is a piece of string, but what are some of the things that we can start to to look into to unpack what that brand is for us? Well, it's very complex. So that is why I wrote this book. I actually, in every single chapter, there's exercises to go through and there's action steps to complete. And it is, you know, building on top of each other to be able to get to that point where you're at the end and you really know what your brand is. And of course, I have downloadable worksheets that accompany it on the Mm -hmm. website. So, uh, you know, they, you have everything, but really the way I do it is I have developed a questionnaire that I use over time. And that questionnaire will answer everything. Like I was saying, strengths, you know, suggest everybody take a strengths test, grit test, is a big thing because I get into the five P's of successful influencers. And one of those things is, you know, passion, perseverance, and those things together is grit. If you don't have grit, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you have low grit, that's going to be a problem for long-term success. Mm. The beautiful thing is you can build grit, but you need to know that going in, right? Yeah, good point. So there's a lot of these things um, that you really have to know about yourself before you can build a brand. And again, you really have to look internal for a brand, not external. Mm -hmm. So you can look to the marketplace to kind of see what's out there just enough to make sure that you're competitive, but really it's all going to come from really deep digging work and what you want to do and what you want to say. It's really cool that you mentioned internal versus external. External because I find that a lot of entrepreneurs, as they're starting out, they start to almost mimic their mentors because they're like that person's, you know, smart. They're successful. And sometimes they do it intentionally. Sometimes it just happens and they don't even realize they're doing it, but they ex- they do start to mimic that person. But then, you know, obviously that comes off as 
inauthentic. So, um, you know, really looking internally is not only going to help us, but from the perspective of an entrepreneur, it's going to help us not have as much uh, imposter syndrome. I mean, we all get it at some stage or another, but it's, it's a lot harder to not come across as an imposter when you're just being yourself, right? Yeah. And that's another thing. Like I have clients that really are wary about going into the branding process because they think we're just going to create it out of thin air, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's not that at all. And I, I definitely, I never create a brand if it has not come straight out of somebody's mouth mm-hmm. or straight out of something that they've written down on the questionnaire. They tell me what their brand is, mm-hmm. right? I just know how to ask it in a way to get the right things out and be able to suss all that information and, and narrow it down. And then what happens is they always have this aha moment where they just, just sigh of relief, you know, like, oh, because what happens is you get the confidence a hundred percent, which is really all an it factor is, by the way, I've worked mm-hmm. with hundreds of artists and the it factor is nothing more than just knowing who you are and knowing what you stand for and confidently being able to go out there and do it. Mm. But the other thing is really they build that confidence, but they also have no more guessing games when it comes mm. to marketing strategy, because they'll be able to say, oh, well, this is where I should go with my marketing because that is on brand and that is who my target audience is and yada, yada. And these don't make sense. Even if my mentor is over here doing this, that doesn't make sense for me. I just had somebody ask me about you know, what would you say for people that are introverted, musicians or artists? And uh, that's great. That is part of the brand. You don't have to be on social media and you don't have to be out there all the time to really develop a business. So, I mean, if being on Twitter is inauthentic to who you are as a person, then don't be on Twitter. Mm. So a lot of this really dictates what that marketing strategy is. Mm. So how do you be an influencer and not spend every waking moment on social media because I think this trips <laughs> a lot of people up. They think they need to be on on you know Instagram and Facebook twenty four seven. How can we navigate that? Well, best practices, you know, scheduling things is the easiest way to do it. But uh, again, you don't really have to be on social media all the time. You don't. There's certain brands that you know. There are certain brands that are needing to be more visible on social media. Mm-hmm. But some people don't work well on Facebook or don't work well on Instagram. If you're not a real visual element, if you don't have a big visual element to it, then it really doesn't work on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So, and same thing with video. So I think that the real takeaway is that as long as you know what your brand is, that determines what the platforms are that you're using and how you use those platforms. Mm -hmm. And my book, I don't really break down into marketing strategy because there's thousands of books out there like that. Uh My goal is to help the reader figure out the brand so that they feel confident in building their own marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. So that, that brand, what is the difference between a personal brand and, uh, you know, and your logo and the way you show up visibly. So I know that that's not your brand, but how do they come together? Because I think that a really cohesive brand brings these two pieces together. Is there some sort of, you know, framework that we should be following? Yes. So if you look at, I use um, a perfume bottle as an example. Mm -hmm. Um, So or a Nike shoe, but let's stick with it. <laughs> but let's go with the perfume bottle. If you look at a perfume bottle, right, the scent itself is the product. That actual chemical component is the product that is being sold, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. The bottle and the packaging around it is the image 
And it needs to reflect that scent, okay? On top of that, you have the narrative that's going out about it. What are you saying about this scent? How are you saying what you're saying about this scent? What is the scent going to smell like without really, and you don't even have to use words for a message. If you think about perfume commercials, a lot of them don't even have any words. They They don't really... Tell them there's a lot of abstract things going on there. But what does it make you think that scent is going to smell like? That is the narrative side of things. If those three things are not cohesive, you know, take Polo by Ralph Lauren. That's very masculine. You know, you got a polo player on it. You you think tobacco and whiskey and Uh cigars, you know, that's and sweat in a locker room. Like that's what you're thinking. If that scent in that package came across as, um, you know, a dandelion on an ocean breeze, there would be a big branding problem there. Right. So all of those three major elements have to coexist and make sense immediately to the audience. Yes. So the image imagery needs to match the message, which needs to be attractive to your ideal client. So I guess Correct. reverse engineering is a big piece of this as well in making sure that you, the message that you're pulling out, you were talking before about us being, you know, not, not simple. Our brand is quite complex. So mm-hmm. working back from who this ideal client is, is going to help us understand which pieces we take out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the target audience, you should have an idea of what the target audience is as you're building the product and as you're building your brand, but you can't really check it it's like you're checking your work, right? Then you check it after the fact and make sure that they're responding the way you want them to respond. Mm. And if not, then you kind of tweak what that target audience is. But yeah, but you'd never change really, you know, if, if a target audience is not responding the way you think, and I always say no response is still a response. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Good point. No response is a bad response. (laughs) Listen, whatever response they're giving you. Um, But usually the problem is that there is some disconnect between those three elements of the brand. And so then it's really about refocusing. What is the confusion? What element is causing the confusion? And a lot of times it's image. Sometimes it's narrative, but usually it's image. Because if you think about image, that's all visual representation of a brand, the product and the narrative, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that could be for people, that's everything from wardrobe. Like you were saying earlier, you never get out of bed without makeup, right? Uh-huh. That's part of your image. It's um, colors, color schemes. It's your uh, websites and your photos. It's the fonts chosen. It's everything, anything visual. Uh, you know, when it comes to artists, it's their set design and mm-hmm. their I mean, everything is part of that image. And our brains judge something in nanoseconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, based off of our visual representation. So we perceive things and we have judged what we're seeing in less than a second Yeah. without listening to music, without seeing whatever has been created for an author. Like I definitely haven't gotten to the point of reading that person's book before I've made a decision, you know, so that's why it's usually the image is the front line of any issues. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So how does our, you know, how does building our personal brand, which is so important, actually relate to money in the bank? So a lot of the people that I work with are experts. They've been around for a long time and and their first half of their career was in a world where there was no internet. 
and no no phones. How important is that now or is it now for them to build their brand? Because a lot of people have confusion around this. Well, again, I think being uh, accessible to the online marketplace is really more of the marketing strategy of things. And if it makes sense for that brand, then it makes sense. But I think that everybody should have a sense if they're going out and selling themselves as an expert or as, again, that's a product because they're selling themselves as a service. Mm -hmm. They really need to be able to translate that in a very quick and clear and concise way. And so I think it's paramount for them to have a brand in place because there's experts in every field. Mm -hmm. How do you separate yourself from the person next to you, right? Mm -hmm. And so that it goes into that whole part of needing a brand. And honestly, having a brand and corporate brands will tell you the same thing. It is your biggest asset. Mm -hmm. It is your biggest asset and people spend millions and millions of dollars trying to get their brand right, you know? So you're already at a disadvantage if you haven't done any branding. So let's sort of break down an imaginary case study of two experts, one that has a really solid personal brand and one that hasn't really spent any time time in building their their brand. And let's talk about it for like this for as an online brand. And they both did a product launch of a, a product that was excellent. So there's definitely already a market out there for it. As that product launches and, and gets out to the world, what is the difference between the person that hasn't built a brand and what will happen moving forward to the person that has built a brand? So I want to start to re- like really help people understand it's not just about the launch. Yeah. So I, I- I always rebrand every single time I'm going forward because again, you're trying to evolve with the audience. So really the biggest issue between those two is the person that hasn't branded, they're going to spend so much time. And listen, as entrepreneurs, we're all spending a lot of time, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're living and breathing it. Why not figure out what the focus is so that you save yourself that time and money, by the way, Mm -hmm, resources mm -hmm. and take away the second guessing. You know, the person that's branded, they're just going to have a smoother ride. They're going to be able to really, they're going to be able to react to consumers a lot faster. Mm -hmm. They're going to be able to get more bang for their buck when it comes to marketing ad dollars spend and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And really also they're going to evolve easier and faster because if you're looking at, you know, I always use the Pepsi logo or the Coca-Cola logo as an example. Uh In the last hundred years, if you see the gradual step-by-step, you know, evolution of those brands, you don't really notice from one year to the next what they've done to evolve that brand. But if you looked at the original one 100 years ago and then mm-hmm. put that next to the one today, it's like shell shock. It's it's a whiplash moment, yeah. right? Yeah. So what you don't want to do is that. So if if you have it branded and, and you're just kind of guessing, you're most likely going to have to have some whiplash moments because you're going to be rebranding and you're going to be trying to figure out a whole nother thing. And that's when it comes to a real waste of money and time. Mm. So with the brand, there's a lot of momentum where you're riding on your brand people are recognizing you so you don't have to do that straight out massive ad spend every single time just to try and get a new audience each time. And it's about re-education, right? So if my brand has changed to the point where they notice, I'm going to have to explain why. I'm going to have to, in order to stay authentic, right? I'm going to have to explain. And that's why a lot of times when you're dealing with, you know, in my book, I go into the bad narratives of, you know, the different narratives to stay away from in order to protect your brand and, and try to avoid avoid a rebrand. But, you know, one of the 
biggest bad narratives that we come across is an inauthentic one. And it usually derives from, uh, you know, the public seeing an influencer in a situation that they should not be in mm-hmm. based off of their brand, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We don't see Taylor Swift going out to clubs and getting drunk. That's not part of her brand. If we did see that, there would be some branding issues and some PR, you know, needing to... And so you see all these apologies all the time because that inauthentic narrative has happened. And so uh, that's something that you can really avoid, one of the bad narratives, but that's something that you can really avoid if you know going in, what that brand is. So how can we prepare for those bad narratives? What are some of the the things that we can put in place for that sort of thing happening? So it's really about knowing it's embracing the lifestyle, like the lifestyle that you have. So we're talking private narrative versus your public narrative. Mm-hmm. And the private lifestyle that you have has to be incorporated into the public narrative. And I'm not saying you have to share everything about your private life. That's not what I'm saying. But there's defining characteristics that are true to who you are. Those have to show up into the public narrative because you will be found out in today's news cycle and instant access with camera phones and all that. Like, you know, we see Justin Bieber doing things he shouldn't be doing, right? (laughs) It's going to get out. So if you really understand the bad narratives that you should be avoiding at the beginning of a brand, it really will help you be more authentic in the brand once you're done putting it together. So for instance, here's an example. So when an artist or an influencer really embraces even their flaws and flip them into a positive, that actually can help a brand. Now, Mm -hmm. not all brands, of course. So when you're talking about somebody like Megan Trainor, you know, she and and All About That Bass was the song that she came out with out of the gate. It was all about embracing her imperfections, right? And it actually created a powerful empowerment movement Mm -hmm. for the listeners. Mm -hmm. Well, flash forward a couple of singles and a music video was put out from her and it was highly retouched. And she went on national television and said, my uh, record label did that. I had nothing to do with it. And I am going to re-edit it and make it normal because that's not who I am. And here's the thing. If she hadn't done that, then that would be an inauthentic brand. Mm -hmm. But because she stayed true to who she was, you know, flaws and all, she loved it. And it actually doubled down on her brand and made... Uh, you know, a bigger impact for people to really latch onto. 100%. The people that liked the touched up stuff were never mm-hmm. going to, they weren't into that brand in the first place. I think that's right. a fantastic case study. That's- yeah, exactly. It's, um, you know, and that's the thing. It's, again, there's some brands that are supposed to be perfect and glamorous and that's that brand. Mm-hmm. And my whole thing is everybody has a unique and authentic brand. What is that that makes sense for you? And that dictates your audience, you know, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Because again, chicken in the egg. But uh, there will be an audience that will buy into what your brand is. Absolutely. So your book, From Individual to Empire, can you tell our listeners how we can get our hands on a copy of that book? Oh, well, we are everywhere. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're everywhere. Uh, You can get it at my website, which is laurabull.com. But it's also on Amazon. Apple, Barnes and Noble, pretty much anywhere, ebook, paperback, anyhow you want it. Now I would recommend the paperback just because I'm a writer and there's Uh a lot of exercises in the book. So you can, you know, scribble away and write in the pages and really get into it. But that's just me. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So for people that have really enjoyed your interview and want to stay connected and follow along with you, how can they do that? So on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at the Laura Bull and on Facebook, uh, you can find me at 
Laura Ball Branding. Fantastic. Laura, it's been fantastic to chat with someone who has, you know, dealt with people's personal brands in such a different way to the way that entrepreneurs, I guess, have previously thought, but it all worked. It's all exactly the same. So it's been great to, you know, be able to hear all of your value bombs. If there's one thing that you wanted to leave the listeners with today about personal branding. What is that one thing? Don't be afraid of it. Like I said, you know, even flaws work well in a, in a personal brand. It's just how you want to present it. So don't be afraid of being who you are, that you can build a positive brand around anything that you feel comfortable around. So, and don't let somebody else do it for you. You know, like I'm a consultant, so I, I walk through it with my client, but they're doing it. You know what I mean? So I think that that's a big thing too. Don't get, you know, sold a bill of goods that somebody can just create your brand because that's not going to be authentic for the long run at Mm. all. And by the way, you should hashtag value bomb. Hashtag value bomb. I like it. (laughs) You should. You you started it. Oh, right. Right out there. Absolutely. Thank you, Laura, for joining me here today. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and best of luck with your book launch. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. But before we go, have you joined us in the Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook? If not, jump over there right now and connect with other entrepreneurs who are also building and scaling their business. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.